Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one blissful page of Talmud every day. Here we are, having had a blessed and wonderful Passover, I hope, to all. And we are concluding this week, the post-Passover, post-Pesach week, with such an amazing, moving meditation on marriage. Have a listen. Rabbi Akiva taught, if a man, Ish in Hebrew, and woman, Isha, merit rewards through a faithful marriage. The divine presence rests between them. The words Ish and Isha are almost identical. The difference between them is the middle letter Yod in Ish and the final letter He in Isha. These two letters can be joined to form the name of God, spelled Yud He. But if due to licentiousness they do not merit reward, the divine presence departs, leaving in each word only the letters Aleph and Shin, which spells Esh, fire. Therefore, fire consumes them. In just one brief paragraph, Rabbi Akiva gives us an amazing meditation on the nature of marriage. And I've had an opportunity to discuss marriage, more specifically, my own marriage, with my dear friend, Rabbi David Bashevkin, how are you, my friend? Liel, what an absolute pleasure. And this is such an appropriate time to really publicly say thank you to both you and Lisa for joining uh, my podcast. I feel like we're cousins, the 1840 podcast, where each year before Passover, we do a series called Intergenerational Divergence, where we talk to families who are figuring out how to negotiate and navigate between significant religious differences. And I was so grateful that I sat down this year, we spoke to spouses who are navigating very serious religious differences. We spoke to one spouse who had kind of lost their faith in the course of a marriage, and our conversation with you and Lisa was about your furthered commitment midway through the marriage, which really sometimes we we glorify and we romanticize these stories, but they can impose significant restrictions and almost feel like you're losing that other spouse to some other commitment, some other, they're passionate for something else. And And the way that you and Lisa spoke together in navigating your own marriage, to me, was actually watching both of you re-instill that yud and hey of the name of God into your ish v'isha and placing it, so to speak, at the center of the love for both of you and realizing that neither of your religious sensibilities or commitments needed to be a wedge in the enduring love of your marriage. And so you are as brilliant an interviewer as you are an interviewee, and we will now have the pleasure, first of all, to direct those of our listeners who still don't listen to 1840, and and why don't you? Why wouldn't you (laughs) want more D-Bash in your life? But here is a snippet from our conversation. Myself, my beloved wife, Lisa Ann Sandel, and you. Have a listen. So I'm curious, and I think I want to hear this more even from Lisa's perspective than yours. Something definitely began to change or diverge. Something happened. <laughs> Something happened. <laughs> Meaning, without fast forwarding to where you are now, which is its own kind of ambiguous space, which we'll get to in a second. But tell me, Lisa, when was the first time you noticed that you and Liel were beginning to diverge religiously in terms of the past that you were on? What was the first thing that you noticed? I remember very distinctly, Liel and I went out for dinner. I would say it was about eight years ago. We went out for dinner 
an Italian restaurant that we both loved and had formerly shared many dishes that were not kosher. And he said to me, I'm thinking of keeping kosher. And your first reaction to that was? Shock. And then my mind started to spin through all of these possibilities. And it felt very sort of apocalyptic. For in real? The moment. Yeah. Like he's going to start becoming observant in this way that is very foreign to me and that I'm really not comfortable with. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think in your head, you're seeing me like, you know, Grammy Hall sees Woody Allen and Annie Hall. Like you're looking at me and all of a sudden like <laughs> I have like, Pius and a beard yeah. exactly. and a strimal exactly. I'm sitting there. Uh, yeah. And can I be more blunt? You use the word observant. Was that the fear or did you have like a latent, like the other O word, orthodox, that like he's going to become, does that association make you like uncomfortable that he would be to me they're they're the same they're the same same o word mm -hmm. and the fear of becoming observant was the toll it would take on your marriage it was that we're not on the same page anymore the restrictions the otherness what is it about observance in a marriage that can seem so startling all of it how could we possibly continue to be compatible if our lifestyles are diverging so mm -hmm. dramatically. Hold on. Let me push you from the distance of years and time as we are in a safe space here in our living room. Well, I understand the... Liel, Le <laughs> I, I have to, I have to interject. I have to interject. The, <laughs> the witnesses can't cross one another in, in, in the courtroom. All right, Your Honor. In the courtroom of the podcast. And we'll absolutely get to some of that. I want to come back to that... Objection meal, withdrawn. To that dinner at the Italian restaurant. Were you aware at that moment when you said, I'm thinking of keeping kosher? Was it clear to you what her reaction was as she describes no, it now? Or not, you were just not, like... No, not at all. Not for a second. Caught me by surprise. Did you know in that moment that she felt apocalyptic? Oh, it was very evident <laughs> by her reaction that she was... But you were surprised by her reaction. Abuse. But yeah, I mean, when, when I brought it up, my, you know, pro I don't want to call it a process. It would be dignifying it with some semblance of thought and structure, which I think all true conversions, all true processes of teshuva don't happen that way, right? They're chaotic, mm -hmm. emotionally raw, gooey, difficult processes. So I wasn't really thinking about it. I mean, I was just very absorbed by this thing that I was going through and that was going through me. I was sort of happy to share it. And like, why wouldn't you be excited by this? Right. Like, and you obviously didn't decide to keep kosher at an Italian restaurant when you sat down. What was going on behind the scenes that would even prompt you to think, I'm in my early 30s, late 20s? When is this. Yeah, early 30s. What was going on behind the scenes that she was clearly maybe unaware of or didn't realize how immersed you had become that you were considering, I'm going to start keeping kosher? It is so profoundly difficult for me to capture it because... Were you studying? Were you going to shoot? Like, because it caught her by surprise. She didn't know something. Were you waking up in the middle of the night quietly and like dialing up your chavrusa and like whispering? That came later. Okay. This Murano vibe that you're describing. No, you know, look... I think if I'm rationalizing it, which is already forcing it into a pattern that is, you know, a little bit too neat to capture the true storm, I think a bunch of it came from observing the world around us change. I think a lot of the political socioeconomic turmoil that we're seeing haunt us now was evident or beginning to be evident to me back then. It did not feel like America was the same kind of radiant, sunny place it had been for me when I chose to move here from Israel in the late 90s. So 
a part of it had to do with that. But honestly, a part of it had to do with a much more innate inner calling, just feeling something inside, you know, going to this restaurant and feeling, it's not right for me to order the prosciutto. Why? I haven't a clue. This was before study. This was before Davin. This is before everything. I just, you know, went and felt like this is something that my soul is calling out to me to do. Stop and you paid attention that. to it. I paid very close attention to it. Let's fast forward a little bit. Did you start keeping kosher at that Italian restaurant? Yes. Was that the beginning? Of yes. The, that was the end. That was Mid-Italian restaurant. <laughs> it was the beginning and the end. Meaning you it. showed up to the restaurant, yep. you made the reservation, right. and midway through, there you have it. Something, something changed. Hey, will we be having the shrimp scampi? Like, nope. We sat we down. Won't. We ordered a drink. We'll be happy. Did the you also not order tonight. at that point? Were you like, I guess, am I not having kosher either now, or were you like, I'm still? I don't remember in that moment. I think we did not order because we used to share food. Gotcha. I guess we're sharing a salad or. In the, yeah, it was a long I think dinner, David. I just remember feeling very uncomfortable. We ordered vegetarian dishes, and I felt uncomfortable ordering. Trafe. In front of Leo. Yeah. Specifically that in front passed of over time. Okay. That passed. Gotcha. For the record, now I keep kosher, but we can get to that. Yeah, well. Don't reveal. Don't spoil the ending. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> but for years, I did not hesitate to order trafe. Even in front of Leo. In front of Leo. Right. At that point, when you're driving home, do you have a conversation with Leo at that point? What's happening right now? Or did you both kind of like, let's don't ask, don't tell, and like to see where this takes us? I was very upset. I shut down. I did not ask him questions about like what prompted this. You know, in retrospect, I wish I had had more presence of mind to be more empathetic and curious and loving, frankly. But I was so freaked out. You were freaked out. Yeah. Now, fast forward a little bit. What happened after the kosher conversation? You shut down. When was the next time that there was a point of divergence where you both became aware that you are on different paths? There was a car trip in rural Pennsylvania or something. And all I remember is we were talking about why I'd reacted the way I did. You finally came up years later. It wasn't maybe years later, but... Several months later. I don't know, something. And I remember saying, you know, I I just feel like it's going to snowball into you're wanting to be Shomer Shabbos and fully observant, and it feels like a path that I can't You're one not away from a full Nanach Nachman. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I felt like you were going away from me, and... I was so scared and sad and I just, I didn't know how to express myself well because the fear and anxiety was so overpowering. And I know I wasn't kind to you in that time. When you say not kind, were you derisive, like mocking to the process or you just shut down and like ignore and not be like open hearted to it? I don't think I was derisive or mocking and Leo, you can correct me if I'm wrong about that. I wasn't supportive. When God creates man, there is a remarkable verse that I think many people are familiar with. When he creates humanity, he creates a spouse for the first man. And the way the Torah describes it is that man needs an Azer Kinegdo. He needs a helpmate alongside of him. And Rashi notes that it's not just an Azer, it's not just a helpmate, but there's a component of Kinegdo in adversarialness, in opposition. You don't just need somebody who's yes, yes, yes. A 
great spouse is somebody who challenges, who pushes back, who through the refinement of the dialogue, you're really able to uplift and create something new altogether. This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope that you do, please go and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts and get your Take One t-shirts and mugs at tabletstudios.com. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Daf Yomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Risquet, Quinn Waller, and Ellie Blyer. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnik, Josh Cross, Robert Scaramucci, Courtney Hazlett, Mark Oppenheimer, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash take one. Subscribe to our newsletter at tabletm.ag slash take one newsletter or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You can find us on Twitter at takeone.fiomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic. Talmudic.